Good morning, we're in Malachim Beis, Perichav Gimel, Pasuk Yud. We're in the middle of the campaign that is successful, but we'll see soon, unfortunately, not completely successful yet in eradicating of Arazar, and this time Yoshio is going to make sure that he's not only moving it out of the base of Medish and putting it somewhere, he's pulverizing it, grinding it, and getting rid of it completely, and showing his contempt for the Avdi of Arazar, the present time, and the ones from the distant past by sprinkling the ashes and the dust over their kvarm and burning their bones. As we mentioned, the Dasefim, I think, makes this point. Conspicuously missing is the elimination of people who are alive, and this is important. It doesn't mean he didn't, and he doesn't have a raya, but it's fascinating. It's missing from the Pusik. talks about burning bones and burning bones and burning people, but it's all bones. And if true, he probably felt that this is the way to be Makai of the people. There's somebody of Devarazar. If he kills everybody, we're not going to have a people. And he's going to try to be Makai of them by just showing the Bizayan of the people who were involved. He conjectures based on his diak that perhaps he took too soft an approach and the people, therefore, behind his backs, behind their door, and behind. Everybody who wasn't part of their inner circle, there were still enough people doing it, and they ridiculed the, the operation. You're always going to have people like that. The question is how many and what type of effect are they having? Specifically for Yoshio HaMelech, it's going to make not only a big difference, but all the difference in the fact that he's going to make certain assumptions based on the fact that he thinks he's completely eradicated and unfortunately going to get killed in the process. Otherwise, had it been a slow buildup, the people were cooperating by and large, and he was increasing the Balichuva and the Tzadikim that were joining his ranks slowly, steadily, could fix it up. And he could have turned things around. So... There's always going to be a balance. It's never going to be an exact science. What do you do with your enemies? How do you get rid of them? They're not his personal enemies. They're enemies of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We have Dinim, on of Misa and when. We have Harasha, and he's trying to figure it out. In the meantime, this part of the campaign is working. Pasig Yud. Again, Perichav Gimel, Pasig Yud. es ha-teifes. Asher Begay Ben Hinum. That should sound vaguely familiar. Not mentioned often. But this fellow, we don't know a whole lot about, had a place in a valley. And it became very infamous. The Gemara Sukkah makes reference to it. There's a Mokum with the smoke coming out. Was it the same exact place referenced here? We're not sure, but. It certainly was infamous already from this Pasuk. If you look at Yud in Rashi, what is the Typhus? These are all forms of Arazar. And this is particularly insidious in terms of what they did. Used to, used to thinking that Arazar is strictly a Ben Adam Lamakum issue. Here it directly affected 
the Beram Lachavero in the worst way, a violent way, in a dangerous way, and it was their own children. So as Avodazaras go, you could say Balpar is the most disgusting and the one we can't identify with. Why would you want to use your Avodazara as latrine? Although Chaim Shmulevitz explains it beautifully that they wanted to show that they were the masters on their gods, nobody's bossing them around. Everybody had their theories within the Avodazara. This one was very violent. Not the only one, but quite... Uh, Yaakov, I think we were discussing the conquest of South America by the Spaniards, and you pointed out, it's very disconcerting, that the explorers slash conquerors were quite cruel and bloodthirsty, not as savages themselves. I'm talking about Christopher, Christopher himself. Maybe that's not a surprise. It's kind of like for the Americans here, debunking a popular, we sort of pictured him on deck reading poetry and singing praise as he found the new world. Not exactly. He was clearly giving orders, had received orders. The people that sent him were as bad or not worse, talking about King Ferdinand and his chavra Yamach Shimon, the Zichron. And they clearly were bent on finding something lucrative, whether a new trade route to the West Indies, which he didn't find. Obviously, that's why we're sitting here, not in Bombay. And he got to South America and proceeded to exploit, murder, capture, and uh, ruin the country and pull out whatever gold he could. And this went on for decades and centuries. And the people there, the natives, uh, were all hardcore heavy-duty of the Avodazar. And I think that's what we were discussing. They were sacrificing until relatively recent times a lot of human sacrifice, which entails, besides the Lakam, a lot of Bedel Machaber. It's hard to imagine. This is, for Americans, relatively recent history. The disconcerting part, although we shouldn't be surprised, is that the conquerors weren't such nice guys and they weren't just making maps all day. As a matter of fact, the maps were a conduit to steal gold rob and pillage and murder the people. And as many as they murdered by the sword and the gun, they ended up killing the rest by plague of the germs that they brought from Europe that the natives weren't ready for. That's putting it mildly. And it's kind of uh, uncomfortable that the entire New World was made uh, clear and something they'd want to settle, white men I'm talking about, after they got everybody out of the way and eliminated everybody. That was the way the world went, and nobody did it any differently, which is, that Siv and the Sam Sev we mention often, it gives you a little understanding, doesn't make it right and doesn't make it l'chatchila, but the Siv's short line about of course, Muhammad has got to be technically mutter on some level for Gayim because that's the way the world goes around and that's the way it's always been. He didn't, didn't say that he liked it and anybody likes it and that it's fair. He's discussing whether everybody's chayv misa for conquering. The Sam Sefer said they are, which is easier to identify now, but maybe we're not looking at it correctly. This is not to condone what they did. Could it have been done softer? 
could you take their gold and natural resources without anybody getting hurt? Probably not. Therefore, the Chassam Savior says you shouldn't be taking their gold and natural resources. This is quite a machlekes that has been going on in history. Ad va'ad b'chlal when they invaded Kuwait. What do you think they're doing there? What were they doing there? Did they ever come up with any sane excuse? I'm sure, there's something on paper. But what were they there for? They uh, were looking for some natural resources. So you say the world would be very boring and people would be very docile if they didn't do that. Well, time of the Mashiach, clearly that's the intended purpose of the Bria. It's just never been that way. What not Kedoni was discussing whether anybody who even goes to such a war is already Chayv Misa for murder, which is one of the Zion Mitzvahs. So, um, anyway, human sacrifice was something that was pretty standard, and we're talking relatively recent history south of the border, which might be another reason to build a wall, so you don't let anybody in. Uh, they're not doing that now, but you're talking about people for generations and generations and centuries and centuries who've been doing pretty brutal things, both in the theological sense of their kfira and their razara and what they did to their own people as they were doing it, their own children. Just understand, we're not going to reject a potential gear for that if they've worked on their midas and they want to become from, and we're not going to reject the people if they feel it's not right and they keep zayimitzis. But understand that it's coming from a pretty bad messiah, and that's why the threats of the Horban over here are so real, is because if you didn't get involved in this, they're taking the worst of the worst from the society surrounding them. And it seeps in because there wasn't a lure, which we'll never understand, to see it's a horror for Avodah and to play the odds and be on the good side of all the gods. And with that introduction, we'll read the Rashi. HaTaifes, Hu HaMelech, during the processes, processes of the various cult details, they had a lot of screaming and yelling because they were, depending how you learn, probably depending on the particular cult, they were either passing the children between two fires frightfully close or putting them in the fire. So they got either singed or burnt. Burnt or killed would be a better way to put it. So that means these are Nebuch little children, and that means, or big children, they were their children, and that means there was a lot of pain and screaming and yelling. And nobody likes to hear that, especially when you're at a religious festival. So they used to have a band, and they used to sound the instruments and turn the volume up in order to be able to not, to not to hear the screaming and yelling. I guess they didn't look in that direction either. Perhaps the fires are so large and that smoke and there was a smoke screen, whatever was going on there. But they wanted to cover it up a little bit so the parents can handle it and come back the next day or at least tell their friends and neighbors. So that's what Rashi says over here. The Kainim, as in priests, were makish and They were banging on things and playing things to make noise. They shouldn't hear the kid screaming as he's getting burnt. So the whole Moilach practice, which was called Moilach, began to be called, it was as a nickname, Karu Teufis, as in the tambourine or whatever they were using. 
and this made enough noise to keep it under control. Pretty horrific, and if anybody's going to get involved even tangentially in a Vodazar like this, out of all the Avodazars, even though it's all the same Chiyav Misa, Chiyav Skila, uh, this is going to be singled out in the Pasuk as particularly horrific. Pasuk Yud again, V'timis HaTefis, Asher, Begei, Benhinim Levilti, Lahavri, Ishes, Benai, Vezbitoi, Be'ish, Lamelech, and he made by royal decree, Timeg, doesn't mean as in tomb of a tyra. It means he put bones there and he put garbage there and he took all the Mekimists that were famous for these horrible practices and he made it clear that not only is it an Issa Deresa, but Lahavdil by royal decree, if anybody's found loitering around these places, they're going to be in big trouble. And that's important over here because all the other kings who are doing the wrong things did it by royal decree and he has to fight back. Pasigid Aleph, this next one is not Meluch, but also shows you how entrenched this was. Vayashpes es hasusim asher nosnu malchi Yehuda l'ashemesh mibay beis Hashem elishkas nesan melech asarim asher beparvarim vesmarkivos Hashemesh saraf beish. So the aristocracy, the royalty, had special, fancy appointed. Horses that they would take very early in the morning. Can you imagine? They got up for a Nate's, I don't want to call it a Nate's minion, a Nate's rendezvous would be a better, I uh, hope they didn't do this with a minion. Uh, Rashi says, Isa meshtachavim lachama hayolam susim muchanim lotzeis likras hachama babaker. They had horses ready, fancy chariots ready to go out before sunrise to greet the sun so they can bow down to the sun. Did they only bow down to the sun? I wouldn't be shocked if some of them afterwards went to Minyan. That's part of the problem. How can you be so confused? I don't want to attach anything to the uh, modern American practices. And I'm not comparing it to what Azar, although Chil Shabbos is also a Chil but yeah, people who, the Pintalid, want to do the right thing, and they have a Yitzhahar to go to work. It's an Isayan we speak about a lot that we should never know from. And we can't judge, just like they don't understand the Avodazar Yitzhahar. And they'd go to the Ashkama Minyan and then hop on the trolley and try to do Durabonans. Some of them. And some of them outright their races. Spoke about this recently. Unfortunately, most of the people, their children and grandchildren, are not from and not Jewish anymore. Some of them are. Lamaisa, you'd ask them, what are you doing? You believe or you don't believe? So, this should sound familiar from a Haftarah we had recently, very recently. Straddling the faith is a human condition. and You want to do the right thing, and you also have the Sahara to... Make sure you're on everybody's good side because that's what they're scaring you into doing. So here the royalty had the money to have these special susim in their chariots to make this daily walk to greet the sunrise and afterwards as possible they put on tefillin, which is sometimes more damaging because then you think I'm covering and I'm okay and I'll do both and we're fine. So sometimes that can delude the person to thinking he's going to survive so he took it and he uh, disabled the horses and burnt the chariots and got rid of the whole thing and 
you see the way the Pasuk describes it, there was a path that they took. This is so famous, and apparently you had to be, most people are priced out. You had to be the royalty or somebody very wealthy to even join this club of what they were doing. But the Pasuk calls it the domain of Malchah Yehuda. And you can imagine how fancy the chariots were, and he took it, and he burnt it beish. Yud Beis. Yeah, that's what we're describing over here. This is not a tirade. I mean, he got rid of any site that was being used by Goyim also. But yeah, this is all in Yehuda. Yehuda, some of it will be in there. So as we'll see soon, which he had control of now. Yeah, this uh, all seeped in. Wasn't as bad. Never did it get as bad as it was by the Goyim. The Goyim, it was 24-7, and they weren't doing anything else on the side. And they were doing more. But the fact that there was any makam for whatever amount of the population, whatever percentage it was, was uh, too much, and that's what's triggering the threat of the pending Chorban. It's pinned here in Achaz. He's the one who started, not the only one who did it. Now, again, Menashe, can't miss this opportunity to point out, Menashe did tshuva for like 30 years, and it's still being pinned on him because he couldn't undo the damage that he himself set into motion. And apparently, even though Menashe cleaned up, he sort of moved things over, but he didn't do it with such zeal and zrizus and there were still things hanging around, vestiges of the Avodah things they missed. He had big ones, small ones, hidden ones, and that's what the Pesach is referencing over here. This time he smashes it, grinds it down, and he himself takes it. He doesn't delegate anything to anybody else. He wants to show the people that the king himself holds it's important enough to take out his time every day to do this. So they shouldn't think, no, it was only a couple of kanayim and some sadikim and got out of hand, it's only the, the haredim and this and that. The king is doing it himself, he's very haredi, and he's interested in showing the people we can't go back to this. Is no peric. We don't mention the bombas. Most of the time, they're still there, and even the Malchat Sadiqim didn't get rid of them. He's going to finally get rid of them. So, bombas asher al pene Yushalayim, asher miyamin la haramashchis. This is uh, disconcerting as well. Haramashchis, Rashi is going to tell us in a moment, was Haramishra, which otherwise known is Harazasim, which now is a big base island, a very chosh of a makum. Then, at one time, they were growing olives, because you can't get the name otherwise. But it's right next to the base of Mikdash. Speaking of pinning things on people, so Manashe, even though he did tshuva, was mentioned in the last Pasuk, Shlomo Melech never did the Avodah in the first place. And the Pasuk here, as it did back by Shlomo Melech, Mentions Kilo, he was actively doing Avodah We discussed Shlomo Melch many years ago, and he did nothing of a sort. But he allowed his wives, who was trying to be Makar, to bring the Shver to Shalain to Makar Hashem to become the Melch Mashiach. That's a very short version of what he was trying to do. All the Shem Shemayim, and he didn't put a stop to it. Got too busy, 
with his agenda, which was L'shem Shemayim. Too many wives, too busy, running too complicated an operation, and had delegations from all over the world, which he was happy to do now for his covet, to show them the Dvar Hashem and the Yad Hashem. Great plan. Didn't work. Interesting parallel. Shlomo Melech, like Yoshio, as we're about to find out soon, will be killed in the prime of their life. He will die. Yoshio will be killed, but neither will be around to finish the plan. And Shlomo Melech, we blame more than Yoshio. Yoshio makes one mistake. Shlomo Melech's entire agenda had to trample, so to speak, on Layabal and Hashem. And they ended up what happened, even though he himself didn't do the other. The fact that he looked the other way and didn't have the time or the focus or a firm decision to get rid of it. And he had Cheshmenis. He said, no, we're working on it. We're being Makar of them. It's, it's a work in progress. The Pasuk here, if you would read this Pasuk and wouldn't be familiar with what we learned by Shlomo Melch, you'd get a very strange idea. There's a whole kaleidoscope of various Avadazars from different countries. And this time, Yoshio went on a search and destroy mission and dug it up. This wasn't sitting around. Chizkiah Melch certainly got rid of these things. But apparently there were certain things, Malcolm and Ichaloi, that were missed, and Chizkiah was dealing with many different things successfully. And it was certainly not peacetime. He was fighting major battles, and he didn't get to it. Now Yoshio is not facing a battle yet, and he has the time, the patience, and the focus to really go after these things. And all these things were parts thereof of these geshkas lying around, or a small one, a buried one. He digs everything up, and he's grinding it and carting it away. Rashi in Yud Gimel. Haramashchis, harazesim, uharamishcha. Since we're mentioning the context of what was going on on the mountain, remember the Gemara says, you're not allowed to make fun of anything in life, even the things that are not inherently good, but of Zara, you're supposed to go out of your way to ridicule. So we changed the name of the Helegomachim next to the base of Mikdash of Haramishcha, and we changed it to Haramashchis as in destruction because of what was going on there. And again, he's digging it up and trying to cart it all away. The campaign that he's doing, very soon the Psukim will spread. He will do it himself. He will travel, which was not easy then, and he will go to the Mekhemis of the Asar Sashvatim, which he now rules. There are people living there. If you remember, Yermio brought some of them back. Those are the better ones. They were interested in doing tshuva. They were interested in being together with the rest of the so and being under his domain. And they will cooperate with his campaign that he's going to bring very soon up north. And the places that he digs up now has many holes in the ground. He's going to take the bones again of the former of Devarazara and put them there to show his contempt. Now he moves up north. Can you imagine? We're at the end of Malachim Beis and we're beginning to discuss Yeravim Ben Nevat again. We haven't heard from him here for years. 
But if you want to pin something on somebody, unfortunately, in the SS Shvatim, who started the Avodah campaign, even though Yerubim and Avot, with all his vices, had no intention of starting active Avodah He had many other Yisurim and issues. But once you start a separate temple, and you allow Shvatechutz, and you darshan that we should make a separate temple because Hashem wanted me to be king and therefore it's mutter and he gave a whole shi'a about it and then he mandated they have a separate base of mitzvah and he matered he serum he of misteh shemayim and the like it's going to be a short slippery slope till they start doing active of azar which is what happened and everything if you recall in the Yisrael Shvatim we haven't been in the Yisrael Shvatim for about a half a year because they weren't here anymore but everything after the critique on the king who was doing active of azar who imported Achav imported more and they had they made improvements, quote-unquote. It always went back to pin the blame on Yerav Menavot. And now he's going to base out to the original set, if you'll call it, the original Makom where this was built, and he's going to be Makayim, an old Nevoah. That's what a signal there. Al-Mechushamayim is coming. Okay, in five minutes, if anybody didn't daven yet. And he turns up north with no resistance, not little resistance, no resistance, which I always like to point out a silver lining. The Assessor Shvatim and Malchi Yehuda had been fighting for decades and decades and decades. And they had sometimes active wars, cold peace, sometimes some alliance, which wasn't good for the Malchi Yehuda, if you remember Yehoshaphat. It was two separate kingdoms with a border. Speaking of walls, Yerav Menavot had put up a wall and soldiers and well, there was a literal wall, figurative wall, but the border was unfortunately a lot tighter than it is near Texas. And there were some people who got through with great mysterious nefesh because they don't want to live in the Sashvatim over the years because they're doing Avodazar and they want to be near the base of Mikdash with the Tzadikim and the Kaiva I'm not saying there were no Tzadikim in the Sashvatim, but the firm ones got out of there. They tried to get out of there, they left, and many were arrested and killed, and some of them made it through, which, if you remember, is the first reason why we have all 12 Shvatim, is because there were many who were visiting and stayed, many who smuggled themselves and their families, and they stayed, and some of them came back now to the Mekayimist, the Yasser Shvatim, and ended up going to Golos at the end of Malachim Beis with Yehuda, Benjamin, and Levi, and rejoined Klai Yisrael and are with us today. Those are the three possibilities on the ground. The other possibility is there's another million, five million, ten million, twenty million living somewhere, and we'll be coming back later. Maybe all of them are true. But something's got to work because you need 12 Shvatim. So again, Tezvav. Burns it, grinds it, and all the other Asherahs around there. Asherahs are usually like the totem poles and the trees that were made in 12 Adazar. And now he's standing, burning, and destroying in the middle of the kingdom of the uh, Seris Ashvatim. Just the scene has not been something we'd ever imagined. The Navi not only imagined it, he said it's going to happen, and he said there will be a Melosad who's going to come here and do this, and he said that years and years ago. Well, now it's happening. And again, not little resistance, no resistance, which is a bracha. 
the people understood that, and they'll spell it out soon, they understood this is a kim and the nevuah, they understood that Yermia brought them back, they're supposed to be from, and they're happy they're under one king, and they're aiding him, at least publicly, most of them, in getting rid of this. Some of them might have been the people with the Avodah behind their door. I would venture to say it was probably the people in Yehuda who were more sarcastic. The people came back already with a firmer element. Why would they come back and then continue to do Avodah But you never know what's going on behind the closed doors because they had the Yitzhah for it. They're going to let them get away with this. Pasuk Tezayim. Ifen Yeshio Vayaras HaKvarm Asher Sham Bahar. He sees the kfarm there. He knows who's buried next to the temple Yeravim built. The galochim, Jewish galochim. I buried there, full bones now. Again, to show his contempt and utter disgust for everything that they were involved in, he digs up the bones. Normally, it's an Isidurais over here. They can use the kapara and clay, so he's the example. And he burns the bones. Tameo, again, is not tomb of a tyro, although it wasn't Tameo if you have bones. It means he's trying to make the place filthy in the eyes of the people. Kidvar Hashem, Elohim. That's Elohim, Bar Hashem, not Elohim. Remember, there was one Navi Emes that came at great peril to his life, came into enemy territory, and said the Nevoah that if you don't shape up in many years from now, you're going to be having major bizanis besides your lack of alam haba. And he's now doing it. The Navi gave the Navua that the Melech Tzadik will come and destroy this place and dig up the bones. And he's doing just that. And as he's doing it, he notices a very odd thing, which he wasn't expecting. Shaila was he or wasn't he? How much of this Nevoah did he know? Did he know that he was the king of the Nevoah or not? Some of Hashem say yes, to an extent. The Nevoah was well known by the locals who are now back. Interesting. As bad as they were in the the people came back with the better elements, are going to report to him, oh, yeah, we have a Messiah, this is that cover, this is that cover, give him a whole tour. All these decades, centuries, they had the Messiah, and they passed down the Messiah in the Esau Shvatim, with all the Avodah are going on, that uh, there's going to be a day of reckoning, and there's going to be a Melech Tzaddik, and he's going to do all this, and the Melech is going to burn the bones, and he's going to see these kfarm, and that's the cover of the Ish Emes, the Navi Emes, who said the Nevu, and that's the, remember, the guy who tricked him into eating lunch by him, and the Navi Sheker, who really deep down was the Navi Emes, because there's no atheist in a foxhole, and he wanted to be buried next to him. All that is going to be found right now, but we have to go to the Peleyets, so Mitzvah Shem, we will take it up next week. We are on page Rashid Bays and the entry of Chaim, which has been very uplifting and startling at the same time thus far. He's talking about the value of life and why we're here which we know the basics of, but it's pointing out that is to be used to extend life, to stay healthy, and if it's overused, it's going to be extremely counterproductive. Go to page Reishud Beis, 
Second paragraph. Kfar Kosfu Bali Musar. Musar Haskil Shem Yamalal Adam. A very graphic mushal. Yes, this question to a person who has one minute to live or one hour to live, how much would you sell this last hour for? So you can't put a price tag on it, then he'll give away all the money he has. When you say it to a person who is having a good time and he's healthy and he has what to waste his time and his money on and I'll give you a powerful answer is could I be doing something else and we'll get into it I, I went to Shachos this morning we learned something we Ah, you have uh, many hours of the day and night and you're not using every hour kid to boy people when they feel they have all the time in the world don't look at it like that so he reminds you from the Bali Musr that if you had to quantify an hour or a minute, how much would you pay? If you think about it honestly, it's a lot of money. All the money in the world, and you can't buy it. One of my Urbeim once said early on, he said, people who waste a lot of time is like uh, committing suicide with an installment plan, which was... Interesting line. Uh, probably a lot of people said it, but it's a, it's a good line. It's not that apparent. It's slow. But when you pay, ironically enough, for an insurance policy, a life insurance policy is also an installment plan. And when you have bite size, we don't always realize what's going on. The nice thing is, in Ruchnius, in your learning, it's the same thing in a positive direction. People get very bent out of shape and their feathers are ruffled. It's, I don't know, the shas looks very big and then Rashi tastes this, Rabbi Kivegas, I'm safer, Katsais, Nesivas, it's too much. So then they have Yish. You don't realize, and I, I say this to Bachram, but I'm um, talking to Bachram here, just happened to be a little bit older. Um, you're still learning Yeshiva, you just happen to do things often in work days, a few hours in between. Besides which is an important tool against the Yitzhahar, because Yitzhahar wants to push us over a cliff and say, yeah, learning is so important, it's so vast, it's so chashev, you can't do it, don't bother. That's the Yitzhahar's tactic for somebody who's from. So first of all, it's not up to you to finish, because if you think you're finished, you're not finished anyway. And number two, if you take everything bite-sized with an installment plan and you don't measure by Seder, day, week, month, you just keep going, you turn around, you're going to realize, you know, I learned a lot more than I thought I ever would and I know a lot more than I thought I ever would. Not Padera Gaiva, but <laughs> to understand that just keep doing it and everything adds up and keep plugging. So, just like, unfortunately, in the negative territory, you waste a little bit of time, a little bit too much time every day. And I'm a drag, everybody wastes a little bit of time. Vilma Gayan used to, or Sarah Sameh Chuva and uh, Yom Kippur used to sit down and cry bitterly, and he added up all the minutes, and it came to 47 minutes throughout the whole year that he couldn't account for. 47 minutes? We'd like to do 47 minutes out of the hour and figure out what the cheshman is. 47 minutes, that's what he added up. Okay, so we're not the Vilma Gayan, but you have to start somewhere. And we like to think that, okay, it was 20 minutes here, half hour there, over over here, it came late over here. 
the installment plan over there, unfortunately, in negative territory, it could be damaging. The positive thing is you grab 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here, an hour here, an hour here, and the positive installment plan, you turn around after a week, a month, a year, it adds up. And people don't realize that. That's why he's trying to point it out. So how do you have a situation where you're wasting all this time where you'd pay dearly if you were offered it at a time when you see you don't have too much more? And if you're not using it, we're asking, not just Hashem Kippur, every single day we dive in Hashem should give us the health to get through the day. And we wake up in the morning, we thank Hashem in many different ways in Berch HaShachar for waking up. And Peliaz just said that if you're not using the time, Amela, you're wasting time, that's already in Avera and you're in negative territory, then you can't really, with a straight face, ask for a renewal of the contract every morning. There's nothing more foolish for a person who doesn't realize this. And the most precious commodity in life is time. More precious than gold, platinum, any commodity. One more paragraph. Now, the how-to, now that we realize the value of time and how horrific it is to waste the time that will never come back, how do you utilize the minutes and the hours? The Bir Lacha starts off with this, the beginning of the Mishnah Brewer, and he reminds you, they are sheish mitzvah tamidis. Memorize them, and at any point in time, waiting for a bus, waiting in traffic, if you don't have some shear playing in the car, waiting in a meeting, sitting in a meeting, by the way. I mentioned that board meetings have two mashmos. They are consisting of the board of your company, and they're discussing what they're supposed to be discussing, and usually they're very boring, and they can take something which can be done in 20 minutes and do it for three hours. As you're sitting in a meeting, if they're not calling on you, you present it already, whatever it is, and you've got to sit there. So you can't open up a safe for often. Okay. Sheish, Mrs. Timidius, you have a couple of Mishnayis you memorize. You have a Pusik you keep saying over and over again. Chais, Leitan, Timna. A name. And a name of people that weren't big tzaddikim or small tzaddikim. It's a Pusik and Chum. You say it over, you get the Mitzvah Tamater. How many hours and hours during the week we're sitting at meetings where we don't have to be involved this moment and the time just goes and you're spacing out and, and it's a meeting where they already have some self-respect they don't allow you to take out your phone and start wasting time on your phone. So now you're just staring at everybody pretending to listen. So what should you be thinking about? So he reminds you, you can think of a Baruch Hu and get all sorts of mitzvahs. And this comes up all the time. As you're making shoes, as you know, from Chumash, and you're lacing it, and everything is L'shem Shamayim. Meetings. And this is what proves, what separates the men from the boys, and the women from the girls, is what do you do with your spare hour, day, week? What are you doing with your spare minutes? There was... Um, I'll end with this. The, we went, mentioned Shabbat Shuvah 
once about a very firm Masmid who was a nuclear uh, scientist who worked for the Pentagon, if you remember. And we knew him well. He used to walk around with a big shot. They didn't make those small versions. They didn't, he didn't have it on his phone. Like the big Hudson shots that he used to have. It's in the 1960s, 70s. He used to walk around on the halls of the Pentagon. He was slightly bent over due to his Hasmodan. He was not retiring early. And they had long board meetings at the Pentagon also. And he said what he had to say and showed his plans for the nuclear submarine. And his name was Alvin Murkowski, if you recall. It was Drosha. And as soon as he finished presenting, he would open it up with a flare. And Tanara Banon, he didn't say it that loud. The generals can continue talking and not have to scream over him. But um, the people in Washington, in hallowed halls, or not so hallowed halls of the Pentagon and the CIA, and he was a well-known figure, and nobody stopped him. He was contributing. He was learning. He was a scholar. He was pursuing other scholarly works. They respected it. They weren't all. Before you do that in the Pentagon, let's figure out a way to get a smaller shot, and we'll figure it out. Have a good day.